from Zamo Digital, welcome to the SaaS Marketing Superstars Podcast with your host, Aaron Sikowski. This is the show where we uncover proven growth strategies from CMOs and marketing leaders behind some of the fastest growing SaaS companies. Hey, superstars. Thanks for joining us today. I'm your host, Aaron Zikowski, and today I'm honored to be chatting with April Dunford. April is a positioning consultant and keynote speaker helping both large and small B2B tech companies to position innovative new products so that customers will understand and love them. April has been an executive in seven successful tech startups and three global tech giants. She's also the author of the popular book, Obviously Awesome, How to Nail Product Positioning So Customers Get It, Buy It, Love It. Hey, April, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing great and super pumped to, to have you on the show today. Well, it's good to be here. Yeah. So to be honest, you know, I mentioned you before we started recording, but, you know, you are now the 10th episode that I'm, I'm recording of the podcast. And in the previous nine, I've spoken with some pretty great marketing leaders in the SaaS community. And I always ask people, what's the one book you recommend? And, and two out of nine recommended you and, and, and your book. And, and to me, That's amazing. Just, yeah. I love that story. Yeah, and, and it just meant I, I had to get you on the show, and I, I was super excited you agreed to come on. Yeah, well, that that's the, like that, this. We're starting good here because that made me really happy. Like I'm telling you, that book was a pain in the neck to yeah. write, and it took me a really long time. And even literally like a month before I published the book, I had this moment where I was like, I don't even know if anybody's even going to read this stupid <laughs> thing, and why am I doing this? You know how you do? Like I'm just questioning life. Um, so it makes me really happy to hear that people think it's useful because, um, you know, it was a pain to get out there. So I, I'm glad the pain was worth it. Well, it, it sounds like a lot of people are really getting a lot of value out of it. Out of it. And, and I can tell you, I, I read a big chunk of it over the past week while I was on vacation and I'm getting a ton of value out of it myself and, and I've recommended it to a few others as well. So we're glad you wrote it. Thank so. you. Good. <laughs> so, so, so moving past the book a little bit, or I guess maybe the, the content of the book, your positioning consultant, I don't think most people really understand what that means and, and how important it really is. You know, as a marketing yeah. professional and dealing with marketing professionals, we think about marketing, we don't think about positioning. Can you kind of explain to us a little bit, you know, what's positioning and, and, and how does it compare to marketing? Yeah. So, you know, it's been an interesting journey for me because you can imagine you're the positioning consultant and you're like, I'm here to help you with your positioning. And, and for the most part, people are like, my what? <laughs> <laughs> and so um, positioning versus marketing, like, you know, what's interesting. So uh, the thing I got thinking about very early in my marketing career is like, what actually are the first principles or the fundamentals? Like, and if you think about it, everything we do in marketing has a set of inputs. Like, so if I want to go run a campaign or um, create some content, you're going to ask the same set of questions. Like, who's this for? Right. That's the first one. Like, so who's this right. for? Who's, which is basically like, what's our ideal customer? Who's our target audience? And then when I'm writing stuff, I'm going to be like, so, you know, we're talking about us, like, how are we different than the competition? Which means I need to know the competition. I need to know my differentiators. And then what's my value that I can deliver for customers? And then the last thing is kind of like, so, you know, and what are we fundamentally, right? What is the market we intend to win? All these things are kind of the inputs to everything. I can't create content until I know that stuff. I can't build campaigns until I know that stuff. And so all those pieces taken together 
are the way I think about positioning. So positioning essentially defines how your product is the best in the world at delivering some value that a very well-defined set of customers cares a lot about. Mm-hmm. But put another way, it defines who's my competition, how am I different, what's my value, exactly who am I targeting, and what market is it that I intend to win? All that stuff taken together. So I once had somebody ask me this exact question, like, what is the difference between marketing and positioning? And I was, and um, the first time I did, it was my friend and she texted me and said, what's the difference between marketing and positioning? I want to put it in a, in a, in a slide for a presentation I'm working on. And so I, I can't remember the answer I gave her, but it was some long-winded thing about, you know, what I just talked about, inputs and outputs or whatever. And I was just about to get on a flight flying from France to Toronto. And I said, I'll think about it on the flight because I'm on a really long flight and I'll send you something when I get on the ground. So I got on the flight and then I got upgraded to first class. And so, of course, I'm up in first class and, you know, I'm having a couple of drinks. <laughs> I got upgraded and I'm thinking about this thing and the quote that I gave her when I got on the ground was I was like you know the expression polishing the turd (laughs) (laughs) so so I was like marketing can polish the turd but positioning can transform your turds into fertilizer (laughs) that's deep That's it. That's the answer. So, but conceptually what it is, is positioning kind of defines what you are. And then marketing makes sure that everybody understands that clearly, and particularly the people that you are trying most to uh, connect with. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, at first you, you said, you know, from, from turd to fertilizer, and I was like... <laughs> What? <laughs> but, but, but as, as it's, it settles for a moment, I mean, there is a big difference. Nobody wants a turd, but lots of people buy Nobody fertilizer. Turd. Like, this is basically like saying, you know, you can give me this product, but if nobody wants the product, all I'm going to do is be, you know, shining up a thing that nobody wants. But I can take that product and put it in a different context and suddenly everybody wants it. You know, it's like you know, I can have a product that is like literally crap. but if i position it as well actually this scrap has some good good value here like it helps your grass grow and stuff and that's not crap that's fertilizer you're just not getting it man and that is fundamentally a positioning difference yeah absolutely i love that and so (laughs) the marketing plays in is it sounds like that positioning is the fundamental basis of, of what you it's the foundation. You right. got to have that stuff first, and, and so the marketing is the delivery to get it to market. And how do you just describe it to other people? It's 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 all the ways you're going to execute on that positioning is what it okay. is, right? It's you know your go to market strategy. Everything else is like all the way like your positioning defines how you're the best in the world at something for someone. The marketing is all about okay. So how do we go, you know, get that message in front of those people, get them excited about what we're doing and get them to, you know, buy some stuff. Okay. So, I mean, that, that's, that's crystal clear right now, but maybe, maybe you've got a story or two you could share. I mean, you, I know you've been doing this a long time with a lot of companies. Are, are, there, are there one or two examples of companies that, that, have, that have done this well, whether you've worked with them or, or others where they've positioned well and, and ideally within the SaaS world? Um, they, yeah. they had it wrong well, and then they got it right. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I've got a bunch from my own experience, like when I started out and, you know, that, that were, you know, like the first, the first repositioning I ever took part in was a long time ago. Boy, it was like 20 years ago. Um, but it's the one that really got me interested in this as, as a powerful, powerful tool to change what we're doing. So in this particular company, we had a product that looked like a bit of a dog. In fact, it was, we had launched it and it was, it, and it, and the launch was failure <laughs> despite our best efforts in marketing. And we were pretty hotshot marketers. Uh -huh. um, and the product itself was conceived as kind of desktop productivity software. The idea was we were going to compete with Excel or Microsoft access. If you remember that yeah. going way back. So access was like this PC desktop database kind of thing. We were going to be like that, except what we had that they didn't was ours ran actual structured query language. So it was SQL and you could write structured query language queries and manipulate data that data that way. So, you know, at that time, if you wanted that, you had to buy this big enterprise database like Oracle or Sybase or something. And it, you know, and it had to live on its own dedicated server and it needed all these resources. You could do that on a little PC. But so we had this idea where you could, you know, if you got a lot of data, but you just got a little PC, you could, you could manipulate it with this thing. It'll be amazing. It'll be like Excel only on steroids. Right. So we launched it. We were selling it for like a hundred bucks a pop or something. And we thought everybody would want one. And we sold like a couple hundred copies. So it was a flop. Uh -huh. um, we, we spent a lot of effort marketing it, but nobody wanted it. So we decided we were going to kill it. But before we killed it, I was junior, junior at the time. And they said, Hey, April, you should, uh, we want, we want you to do is call the customers. So we have 200 of them. It'd be great if you could talk to a hundred of them and kind of feel them out for how mad they're going to be if we stop supporting this product. <laughs> that was my job. <laughs> so I said yes, because I'm stupid because it, like a hundred calls is really hard. And, and the people we're selling to are developers. They don't want to talk to me. They don't want to talk to anybody. Anyways, I'm calling all these guys. I got really good at, at cold outreach. That was my, I'm still good at cold outreach, but and that's why. <laughs> so I spent a month. I didn't do anything with this. I call all these guys. And um, for the most part, the, the, they gave me the response that I thought, which was, yeah, we bought it. We fooled around with it a little bit, but we're not even really using it. So, you know, the end of life, this thing, no big deal. But what I did find in those interviews was there were a handful of people that were using the product in a way we didn't anticipate. So uh, the first one I got, he says, he says, oh my gosh, I love that product. That product's amazing. It's totally changed my business. And what we're doing is we're putting it on laptops for our salespeople. And you got to think this is 20 years ago. So this is like early days of laptops. And he said, oh yeah, my salespeople couldn't take an order out in the field before because our order system is back at headquarters. So they write it down on paper, go back to headquarters, but they make mistakes and they don't get the order right. And then they have to go back and forth with the customer with your thing. I can actually put it, put this little database on a laptop and then I, and then I wrote a bunch of stuff on it to basically mimic the order system so they could take the order on the laptop, go back and sync it with the database at headquarters. And the only reason we could do that is because your thing runs SQL. Ooh, cool. So, uh, so I called a hundred customers and I found five that were happy. 
And all five were doing that exact same thing. And the other hundred, you know, didn't even know they had our stuff. They weren't <laughs> using it at all. So I took this up to the, to the management team and said, here's what, here's what I got. I did a hundred calls and this is what I learned. Um, and so we could have just killed the product at that point. Like we could have just said, look, we got, you know, we have product, it's a failure. And, and in fact, 95% of the people that we talk to don't care about it at all. We could have killed it then. But instead, we took this bit of positive feedback and ran at it and said, what if we reposition it as that? What if we're not actually desktop productivity software? What if we are an embeddable database for mobile devices? Same product, didn't change anything in the product, yeah. but a completely different frame of reference. Nobody wanted desktop productivity, SQL spreadsheet thing. Nobody actually wanted that thing. Um, but we could take the same product, contextualize it in a different way and say, hey, you know why this is valuable? If you've got a field force of people with laptops, you could put this thing on it and you could do stuff in the field you could never do before and come back and it all talks to your you know, systems back at headquarters. So we did that repositioning. Product totally took off. We sold a bajillion copies of it. Wow. Company got acquired by Sybase, which was the big database company in the market. At one point, it was the growth engine for all of Sybase. And it, um, you know, I left the company. I stuck around for a year or so after the acquisition, but I left after that. But I had friends in there, and, it, and they told me it was hundreds of millions of revenue they were doing on that product. And you know, it, and that product, interestingly, still lives on today. It's Twenty years later, it's still there. It's it's been since bought by SAP. Uh -huh. um, but if you go on the SAP website, that thing is still there, and it's still positioned as. Um, a, an embeddable database for mobile devices, although they talk more a lot about Internet of Things and, you know, other stuff that's going wow. on now. So th the point of that story is this, you know, again, much like my quote of positioning can, can transform your turds into fertilizer, it's a bit like that. We had a thing um, that had a lot of value to potentially a lot of different people, our original thesis on why, you know, how to position it was wrong, but in digging into what customers were doing and what, especially what happy customers were doing, it mm -hmm. gave us the clue to reposition it into something that was absolutely critical and turned into be a product that, you know, still on tons of people's devices 20, 20 years, years later. later. Wow. So that's my story. That's, that's it. a good story. <laughs> I, I think the, everyone the, listening the is thinking now, how can I do that? Happily like, ever after right the end. So that was my first exposure to doing a repositioning of a product. And that, and that was also my first marketing job. Mm -hmm. So that made a big impression on me that I was like, you know what? You can have a thing that I'm just thinking about it wrong. I've literally just contextualized it wrong and I can pick it up and put it in a different context. And all of a sudden it's super, super valuable. So I took that with me to every single job I did after that. And, and I always kind of brought that point of view where I was like, yeah, you know, it seems like people don't like it, but you know what we really need to do is zoom in on who's super, super happy. And is there a clue there in how to really sharpen up the positioning so that we're just running at people that are going to love us because we know they love us and they're going to love us for these reasons. 
The SaaS Marketing Superstars podcast is brought to you by Zamo Digital Marketing, your go-to Facebook ads agency for scaling SaaS companies. The team at Zamo Digital are the experts in growing and scaling trial and demo signups for leading SaaS companies like Envision, DigitalOcean, Lessonly, and many more. Download our free SaaS scaling framework over at zamodigital.com slash framework. And now back to the show. Yeah, it makes sense. One of the things that stood out to me in, in the book as I was reading was the idea of just, you know, the, the, the category, the market that you describe yourself in. So, for example, you know, you wrote that if you, yeah. you call yourself a CRM, well, there's pros and cons in that, right? That, that people automatically assume, okay, you're a CRM. They expect, okay, so you're going to have these kind of features and this is the base. You don't have to explain that anymore. Exactly. But, it, you know, at the same time, they're not comparing you to all the other CRMs and now you've got to fight and distinguish yourself. Well, this is it. Like we often do this in a very non-deliberate way at companies. Like, you, you know, like we, most of the startups that I ever worked at, how the original positioning came around was, you know, the founder woke up one morning and said, you know what sucks? Email sucks. I'm going to make better email, <laughs> you know, or you know what sucks? Databases suck. I'm going to make a better database. And, you know, my previous example, you know what sucks? Spreadsheets can't do, you know, and the original positioning gets worked around that original idea. Mm -hmm. But the problem is that you aren't always aware of the entire context of the way your customers look at things. And products change and markets change. Like you add things to your product, you take it away, the market itself is changing, and you fast forward a couple of years and a lot of times what you've got is this thing that you originally conceived of it as email, you know, actually now looks really like really good chat. And maybe it's better contextualized as chat than email. Mm -hmm. The trick with positioning is if you say you're email, that means you compete with email. That means you've got to compete against the buying criteria of email. So if you say you're email, you've got to have a calendar, you got to, you got to do spam detection, you got to do a whole bunch of stuff. If right. you say you're chat, the expectations are completely different, right? I don't, I don't necessarily have, have to, well, I certainly don't have to have a calendar. I don't necessarily have to have a spam filter. I do expect a bunch of different things. And so we're often kind of unconsciously or just by default positioning in a market we literally can't win. Whereas if we were to look at what makes us different and special and why customers actually love us, we could actually contextualize what we do in a different context that makes all that goodness obvious yeah. and doesn't come with the baggage of some other market that we, you know, we can't actually win in. So that sounds awesome, obviously. And, <laughs> and, I, and I'm sure, I'm sure listeners are thinking, yeah, that's what I want. That's what I'm going to do. How do I do that? Yeah. What's your advice for, for a B2B SaaS company? They're getting started. They're listening to this podcast. They're reading your book and they're saying, you know, yeah, this makes sense. I'm going to do that. How can people get started, you know, with, with some quick, maybe it's simplifying it, but some quick wins and, and, and what direction other than reading your book um, are people going to, well, in addition to reading your book, we'll say. Um, well, dude, my book's a quick win. It's, okay. it's not that long. Like, you know, it's, it's short on purpose because yeah. it's aimed at busy people that work at software companies that don't have any time to read. Right. Um, but, but here's the thing, like, if you are already in market and you've got happy customers, the key to your positioning is in your happy customers. That's the key. Okay. And the first step 
is to really understand what your competitive alternatives are. So a lot of weak positioning comes from what I would call a weak starting point. And that starting point is a misunderstanding of who you actually compete with. So in B2B software, in particular B2B SaaS, we often have, when I interact with companies, I often hear them say, I'll say, who you, who you compete with? And they'll say, oh, you know, all these companies, they'll list a bunch of little companies in the valley, you know, with a little bit of fundraising that are yeah. cool that literally nobody has ever heard of. <laughs> and then I'll say, hey, so, you know, what's your big differentiator? And they'll say, well, all these ones here, they have terrible ease of use. Like if you want to do this thing, it takes you 15 clicks, but ours is amazing. And we can do it in like two clicks. So ease of use is our thing. And that's how we're different. And, you know, and then they'll, they'll build their positioning around that. Yeah. But then I ask them and I'll say, but really, really, like I never heard of any of these little dinky companies. Do you ever lose a deal to them? And they'll be like, well, no, actually we don't. Oh, so what would a customer do if you didn't exist, how would they solve this problem or do this action? And, and a lot of the times the answer is, well, I'd just use a spreadsheet or I'd hire an intern to do it or, you know, it's just manual processes and stuff. And then you think, well, if what you're really displacing is the intern, are you, are you really going to beat the intern on ease of use? No, <laughs> it turns super easy to use. It's like, Joey, fill out the spreadsheet, you know, come back when you're done. So, so if the starting point is wrong and you're, you're comparing yourself to the wrong comparable or comparable that isn't what's in the head of your best customers, mm -hmm. it, your, your concept of why you're different is going to be wrong. Your value is going to be wrong. <laughs> like everything downstream in your position is going to be wrong. So the first step, if you really want to get your arms around this, is to take a step back and say, okay, what are we actually displacing? What is our actual competition here? Mm -hmm. And if it's a spreadsheet and the intern, then your value proposition and your positioning and everything else should make it crystal clear why you are, it, it's better to do this thing with your software than it is to do it with an intern. Which, you know, which may mean like the intern's bad at a lot of stuff. Like the intern makes mistakes and the intern forgets stuff and the intern quits on you and you got to get a new one and you got to train them. And the intern can't remember everything about all the previous transactions and what you did with customers before. And all these things, you know, you might not be highlighting those because you're worried about one little esoteric feature difference that you have with, you know, the six or seven little companies in the Valley that look just like you. Right. <laughs> but the reality is customer doesn't care about that. Customers like, why not Joey? Like, and it better be super compelling because Joey's pretty easy. Right. So the, so the positioning, it sounds like what you're describing is it's, it's not my software versus the competitor software and the little distinctions and features. It's, software versus Joey in the spreadsheet. So software as a whole category. Well, yeah, it's, 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 why do I do this thing with you? Right. Instead of it's most of the time, when you think about competitive alternatives, you've got sort of, you've got sort of a couple of types of, of competitors you got to worry about. So the first one is status quo, whatever they're doing now, it's spreadsheets, the intern manual process, pen and paper, a lot of stuff you're displacing, but sometimes it's, crappy old software 
or software that wasn't designed to do the job. Like we're using, we're using our accounting software to do it, but it's not very good at it, but you know, we're making do with that. So first you got to understand status quo. Second, you got to understand that if the customer does decide, you know what, I got to, I can't keep doing this this way. I got to find a solution. Then who else gets on the short list with you? And you got to beat them too. But most of the time we we're thinking too much about that short list and we don't think about status quo. And if we're a company that's doing outbound stuff and we're getting into deals where it isn't competitive, you know, we think it's not competitive in our minds. We can't forget the idea that status quo is a competitor. Joey, the intern is a competitor. And I got to give you a compelling reason to switch from doing what you're doing right now to using my thing. Yeah, it totally makes sense. Myself with an accounting in a background in accounting, I'm an Excel geek. So right. I think almost any SaaS product I see in my mind is competing with Excel, whether totally. it's invoicing, whether it's a CRM, it's all, well, can I do that better in Excel? And why are you better than that? Yeah, it's Excel, it's PowerPoint, it's Word. It's like the whole office gambit, you know, <laughs> and pen and paper and manual process. Like if you're selling a small, medium business, a lot of what small, medium business does right now is manual. Yeah. If you're selling to enterprise, a lot of the times what you're competing with is like monolith software. So I've got this ERP system that's supposed to do absolutely everything. And I'm using that for this one little thing and it's literally terrible at that. Right. <laughs> You're coming in and saying, oh gosh, don't use your ERP for that, use me for that. But you need to understand in that case, you're competing with the ERP, you're competing with status quo, you're competing with how comfortable it is to use this thing that I've been using all the time. Like Excel's like that. Like if you're a super Excel geek, you're all shortcut keys and everything else. Like Excel's amazing if you're a power user. And so displacing Excel is not easy. Right. That would not be easy for me. In fact, I I, I used to be a Mac user and I I came back to PC simply because Excel on a Mac sucked. And it was the only (laughs) Excel is meant to be on PC. Excel on a Mac actually really does suck and it bums me out. I'm a Mac user too, but I'm depressed about that too. Right. But for for me, that that was enough to switch back a number of years ago. Right? Even Apple is competing with Excel. (laughs) There you go. so, so I mentioned that that several other guests that I've interviewed on, on this show had, had mentioned you and, and your work and your book to me. Um, in particular, what, what really stood out to me, I interviewed a while back uh, Scott DeGrossier, the, the CEO and founder of Wicked Reports. Um, he mentioned he used your process. And I'm not sure if he did it by himself off of your book or if he actually worked with you as a, as a consultant. No, by himself off my book. I, okay. I met him at a conference uh-huh. that I was speaking at and we had a little blab afterwards and uh, and I suggested that he follow the process in the book, and then he went and did it. And then I saw your your podcast, right. and I was like, "Oh, is that so?" What he told me is that he <laughs> so went he did the it process. on his own. He didn't hire me to facilitate. And, that. and just so just using the book, so listeners can be able to realize like the amount of value that's coming out of this book, and, and you'll be blown away when you when you hear the the stat that he gave me is you know yes, it took him. He said a good number of weeks, or maybe you know even two months to to implement this whole process and go through it and really dig in and do all the research you've been talking about and talk to his customer, his best customers and all that. But he said in the end, in a relatively short period of time, he cut his sales cycle from three months to six weeks, which is incredible. That's cutting your sales cycle in half and, and the impact that that, can, that that can make on your business. And, and in hearing that, I was like, okay, April's coming on the show. Like, we got to hear about this. <laughs> is, is, 
is that a result people can expect from this type of thing? Well, I mean, it depends on how, it depends on how, what state your positioning is in now versus what we do afterwards. Yeah. So sometimes what you end up is a real transformation. Like you're, you're literally, you know, like my example of this failing product we thought was desktop productivity software to embeddable data from all devices. Like it, it took us three, four months to implement that. Like we weren't, we were selling off the website and we had to hire a salesperson and do a whole different process and rework the pricing and, you know, completely different target market and all that stuff. But, you know, we went from dribbling along making like four figure revenue, (laughs) five figure revenue to like making millions in, in within a year. Um, so that was a giant transformation. Um, other times what you've got is just a tuning and and where you should see the improvements is definitely shorter sales cycle. Like you should see less confusion in the minds of customers. So you mm-hmm. should be doing a better job of targeting what customers you're trying to talk to in the first place because you've got a better understanding of that. And then there should be less confusion in the sales process, meaning it doesn't take me two calls for you to get your head around it. Um, it you know, the value is more obvious and what, what you do is more obvious and why they should buy it now is more obvious. So sometimes you get that. Sometimes what you get is just a real, you kind of take, take a big competitor right out of it and that'll really speed up a deal. Um, so like I had a company that I worked with where we were selling enterprise CRM and we really honed down into a niche market within that. So we were selling CRM for investment banks. Mm -hmm. And one of the biggest changes there was it gave us the ability one that, you know, we're just going to focus on investment banks. And so one, we started getting investment banks coming to us, which was amazing because we never had much inbound before, but because we, we seem so suited to that market, if you were looking for CRM, it'd be crazy not to call us because we're like the only CRM for investment banks. Yeah. So, so we get the call. And then once we got in there, which, you know, even just getting a meeting with an investment bank is work. Right. So, yeah. so that helped us get meetings. It, it helped us actually get some inbound. And then once we were in, when we were positioned as just generic enterprise CRM, we were always in a head to head against the big monolith in the space. And that company was giant, publicly traded, amazing software did way more than our stuff. You know, it was just like, it was really hard for us to beat them if we were in a head to head competition. But once we narrowed down onto just investment banking, then, you know, the, the bankers would say, Oh, there's CRM for investment banking you must compete with those guys. Right. And we'd say, Oh yeah, we love those guys. They're amazing. They're, they're great. They're like, look at them. So big, 2 billion revenue, 8,000 employees. They're like the world's greatest general purpose CRM for like call centers in India or manufacturing plants or something, but not you Wolf of wall street. You need something special. (laughs) Let me show you a special thing we got over here. And so it would kind of cut them out of the deal early because if we could convince you that your needs were special and we had some stuff that was specially built for you that they, that the, big monolith couldn't do, then they didn't even get in the deal. So we saw a dramatic shortening of our sales cycles where, you know, our average sales cycle before that, I think was a year. And we went way down to like 
four months, six months. These are still really big deals. So it took a while to get through, but you know, it was because we weren't doing a bake off anymore. We weren't getting into, Oh, let's bring you in and them in. And we're going to do this month long, you know, test you versus them. And so our whole mission in life in that company was to not do that because if we did that, slowed everything down. So we were trying to avoid it. Um, In other cases, what you've got is, you know, a little, a little harder to measure because what you're doing is not such a dramatic shift in, in market category, but it's more just like a a tightening of everything, right? Where the whole team is like, ah, yeah, that's exactly what we are. And it makes it easier to train salespeople so Mm -hmm. that they can do the pitch because it's easier and it's clearer and everybody gets it internally. Um, You know, and marketing's more focused because they're like, yeah, this is exactly who we're trying to target so we can perform better. And so it's one of these things because it's this underpinning it's hard to measure the results of it because the impact of it is everywhere. So it sounds like sometimes the positioning could be, you know, we're not this product, we're this product, but it sounds like you're saying sometimes it's just like, yeah, we're this product, but we're this product specifically for this niche buyer. And that's exactly it. Sometimes what we're doing in the, when we go through a position, when I'm going through a positioning workshop, sometimes what we're doing is we're actually moving market categories. We're saying, Mm -hmm. you know what, you're not actually emailing your chat, right? So sometimes we're doing that and that's a big shift. And what it means is, you know, different set of competitors, different set of expectations on the product, different way you can talk about it. Sometimes what you're saying is, yeah, we're in this market. We're obviously in this market. We can't be in any other market. But we're not trying to be everything to everyone in this market. We're trying to win in this patch right here. And we have big competitors and they can win all they want everywhere else. But I've drawn a box around this and we are going to win this market right here and because no one can touch us. Right. And once you understand that, then you can get really laser focused in your marketing efforts. You can get really laser focused with your outbound selling or anything you're doing on the sales side. And everything just works better because you've got this clarity around, I'm not trying to be everything to everyone, just trying to go after these folks. Absolutely. I mean, that, that's what we did in, in, in my marketing agency. You know, we, we are a paid, paid ads agency specializing in B2B SaaS. We don't want to help all the other guys. We just want to help right? you know, SaaS companies. And so if you're a SaaS company, you're a SaaS company looking for an agency to be crazy not to call you. Right, because there's a thousand agencies all in the land, but how many specialize in SaaS? Well, there's you guys. We might as well talk to these guys. They seem to know what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> At least I hope so. Gets you on the list, right? Yeah. And then same thing with your outbound. You're, you know, you're building content for this. You're doing a podcast with people talk about SaaS stuff. Like it allows you to get really focused. If you were just marketing agency for everybody, well, what's the podcast going to be about? I don't know. Right? We got to write some big content. What's it about? of marketing stuff like you know, like it's hard to know what to do but if you say oh we're just doing SaaS companies well now all of a sudden you know I can get I can get really laser focused and just say I'm just going to go dig 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 and hit these things off in a very targeted way that you just can't do when you're trying to be everything to everybody right right and that's been that's been the fun of the industry and it's a great industry to be in as well um wow I, I feel like People have been uh, drinking from a fire hose trying to understand positioning from you in, in the last 30 <laughs> minutes or so. I, I definitely feel like I've been. Um, I, I guess maybe let's leave that off for now. And, and definitely, if, if people want to know more, just get the book, read the book, you know, go, go Google April and you're going to find a whole ton of great content on that. 
Um, I'd love to jump in now, kind of a, a lightning round, and just kind of learn a little bit, a little bit more about you and kind of what makes oh, you tick and what you're thinking about these days. Lightning round is stressful. Okay, I'm preparing myself for the stress of the lightning okay, Hopefully, round. you saw the questions beforehand. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, but I didn't really read them. Uh, okay. <laughs> you'll be okay. You'll be okay. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. Uh, family situation, uh, single married kids, married, two kids, teenagers. I've been, I've been locked down at the moment with a couple of teenagers. Uh -huh. It's actually been a lot of fun. Yeah. I've, I have some early teenagers also and they've been fun also. So it's, good. Uh, it's been, it's actually been like, I think it, you know, right now I feel like we're all kind of suffering, but I think when we're done this, I'm going to look back at this as kind of like this this special opportunity I yeah. I had to like really hang out with my kids at an age where they don't really want to hang out with me all that much <laughs> which is a beautiful thing it really is it's it's been amazing yeah. I, you know if they, you bring them on the podcast they'll tell you something different but for mom it's been amazing <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah it has it has been and it's good to find that silver lining in, in, in so many uh yeah. unique things that are going on in 2020 also, my kids are amazing cooks. Like, I don't think they'd be cooking like this if it wasn't for lockdown. Like, you should see them. They got sourdough starter. They're like, it's amazing. We, we, we have a lot, of, a lot in common. We could, we could share offline after the podcast. I, I'm similar. Um, what book would you recommend to our listeners? Um, I'm going to say other than your own this time, because I've, I've plugged it a few times. Um, yeah. Business fiction, nonfiction, which people read. Yeah, I you know I saw that question. And I was like, oh, I hate that question. I don't know what to I don't know what to answer. Um, you know, my point of view on this stuff is is colored by my experience. You know, I actually don't have a degree in marketing. I have a degree in engineering, and in engineering, you know, there's this concept of first principles. Like, you can either pass the test by recognizing the type of question because you did it on the practice exam, mm -hmm. or you can pass the test because you are the master of first principles and you're going to take it all the way down to Bernoulli's equation or some shit like this. And so in marketing, I was always kind of interested in, are there first principle things that we need to understand here? And so that, that was part of the reason why I got so interested in positioning is kind of a first principles concept. If you understand mm -hmm. that, then you understand a lot of things that flow from that. Um, a book that really influenced me, which is, which is honestly, between you and me, it's a terrible book, um, but you should read it anyway, is Steve Blank's Four Steps to the Epiphany. So that book, my friend recommended it to me, it took me three times to get through it. But if you're thinking about customer discovery and how you do customer discovery, that book is, is in my opinion, where you go to deeply understand that it's a hard book to read and it's a slog and I'll warn you, you won't have fun while you're reading it, but I think everyone should read that book. Okay. Awesome. I'm going to check it out. Um, what's your favorite marketing or productivity tool right now? Uh, you know, I don't know. Like I will tell you, I'm, everybody is sad about zoom um, because of being forced to use zoom all day, every day, but I literally couldn't do the What I do right now without zoom like I, I honestly think zoom is the cornerstone of of the fact that we have survived this pandemic at all without major productivity loss is because of zoom i cannot believe they've scaled the way they've scaled and uh -huh. and what they've managed to pull off in this thing and given the state of video conferencing everywhere else like i've used a lot of other tools and this thing is amazing so i see zoom okay great answer um who's your favorite market or entrepreneur to be learning from right now uh, to be learning from right now. I don't know. Um, 
you know, I I I follow some folks on on Twitter that I think are really interesting. Um, like uh, right now, there's there's these two gals, Claire Sulentrop and uh, and and Gia, and they run a thing called Forget the Funnel. Okay. And what Forget the Funnel is is it's designed for marketers that work at SaaS companies where you're, it's like your first head of marketing job. And so they are amassing this kind of um, giant database of excellent, helpful information and tools and whatever. And so if I was a marketer, a practicing marketer in SaaS right now, I, I think forget the funnel would be the place where I would be spending all of my time. I think what they're doing over there is amazing. All right, definitely checking that one out. Um, that might be the same answer over here. Your, your favorite website or online community to be a part of right now? Yeah. So forget the funnel is a good one. Although I don't spend a lot of time there because I'm like, you know, I'm not, I'm not in a, a SaaS thing right now, but I'll tell you right now, if you're really interested in product marketing, which is, you know, positioning kind of falls into that product marketing space. And I started out as a product marketer. My first role was product marketer. And there are these guys called the product marketing Alliance have a Slack community that is blowing my mind wow. because they have 10,000 members in it, super active. And it's just product marketers. Like literally everybody in there is like the only product marketer at their company. <laughs> And I've never seen anything like it where you've got these people that are used to being alone um, are now in this Slack community asking all these questions like, how do I do positioning and how do I need to do this and how do I do that? And you've got all these amazing people there. I've been really impressed with it. Like, I wish that existed when I was starting out in product marketing. I would have been super happy to find it. All right. Super cool. And last question is, where can our listeners go to learn more about you and, and kind of follow you online? Uh, yeah, I got a website, aprildunford.com, but uh, Twitter is probably the best place. It's the place where I'm the most active, although I do, you know, tweet a lot of stupid stuff like cat videos and things. Um, yeah, I, you know, I hang out on LinkedIn a little bit, but I'm having a big problem managing the spam on LinkedIn. And so every time I go there, I kind of hold my breath. But um, uh, so I would say Twitter and I'm at April Dunford everywhere you go. You Google me, you can find me. I've been doing this a long time, so I'm, I'm pretty findable online. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, wow. Well, April, this has been great. Um, you have shared a tremendous amount and I know the listeners are, are for sure going to be getting a lot of value. I know a lot of people have been running out to buy your book um, after listening to this podcast. So uh, thank you very much. And uh, it's been an honor to, to chat with you. Well, Hey, thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. The SaaS Marketing Superstars podcast is brought to you by Xamarin Digital Marketing. If you're enjoying the show, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Thanks again for tuning in and keep on growing your SaaS.